Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to India Game Changer. I've got a smiling guest with me. I love when my guests smile. Today, we are joined by Amit Dayal, a co-founder at Amoga. I am sure I butchered your name. I am sorry, Amit. Thank you so much for doing the show. How are you doing today, by the way? Thank you. Thank you, Michael, for inviting me. It's a pleasure. I'm, I'm doing good. How are you? I am super. Before we get into the main part of the conversation, let's give our listeners a little bit of your background for some context. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm just like most Indians, I'm an engineer plus MBA by background. <laughs> Wait, um, what does that mean? Yeah. Like most yeah, Indians, I mean, I'm an engineer. Most Indian kids, they, you know, grow up and are told to join engineering. Go ahead. Um, you know, it, it, there's a saying that you become engineer first and then figure out what to do in life. So it's, yeah, kind of, it's, it's, it is how it is. Go ahead. Uh, so, so yeah, went on to, uh, completed my 12th, went on to do my engineering, didn't really uh, get interested into the coding and stuff and, okay. then, uh, and went to the business side. So did my MBA. Yeah, that's about my educational background. After that, I spent about six, seven years in a couple of companies doing uh, different generalist roles, like okay. a little bit of sales, a little bit of marketing, a little, little bit of finance. So, uh, so yeah, early, early part of my career was most generalist, uh, you know, in nature. And then somewhere in 2014-15, I stumbled into the product management domain, uh, spent uh, three, four years with a couple of companies uh, building SaaS products, largely for enterprise. Okay. And uh, in 2017, went on to start my own company, again, in the enterprise learning management system domain, ran it for about three and a half, four years. It was largely looking at the business side and, and the product management, of course, and had my tech, uh, I had my tech co-founder who was looking after the tech and delivery aspects of the firm. Um, somewhere pre-pandemic, we decided to sort of move out of that as it, it wasn't growing as fast as we wanted it to be. Okay. So ended up selling it to a, another entity, which was slightly larger than, in size than us. Uh, so it was, yeah, sort of a good exit, not the best that we would hope, but yeah, uh, some exit. And yeah, since, since then I'm here at Tomoga uh, for last almost eight months now. Okay, and we'll get to Amoga in a second, but I want to share a funny story with you as well. In 2017, it might have been in 2018, but for the first time in my life, I flew to Mumbai, and yeah, it was great. But I was there for a reason. I was there to attend a startup conference, and the conference was really kind of cool. And one of the guys got up on stage, and he was building or starting to build an ed tech company, right? So educational technology. And, you know, he had been trying to, he'd been struggling actually to explain to his own family and his own parents what he was doing, right? What his job was. And he said, for the foreigners in the audience, I want to, I want you to understand like what their traditional career choices are for a young Indian graduate. He said, there are really three choices only. He said, you can be an engineer. What was the other one? You can be a doctor. Or you can be a family disappointment. <laughs> but that's him talking. That's not me talking, right? So when you said, like, I became an engineer and then I have to decide what to do, it's kind of this flip side of the yeah. same story, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I but like hope, that a lot. Yeah. Hopefully things are changing. Uh, when I see, like, kids who are 10 years younger than me, uh, they do have a lot more choices. And they're much more clear in, in what they want to pursue as a career. So, so things are changing for good, I guess. Yeah, I mean... You don't want to have too many choices, but you want to have more than three choices. And you want one of those choices not to be disappointed in your family, which is what I feel like I've done in my life. Um, 
you talked about having this generalist role, but then going out and starting your own company. Mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit about that process of stopping to work for somebody else and starting to work for yourself? Because it's a leap of faith in a way, right? What was that? Yeah. What was the impetus and what did it feel like for you? So, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of it, when I look back, is a buildup from, uh, you know, from the early five, six years of my career. Uh, okay. Fortunately or unfortunately, I was always a part of a very small three, four member team right. uh, trying to launch a new business. So I did that three times in that those six years. That's uh, great. A couple of them tanked, one of them still exists. So okay. we were part of a larger entity, and but we were part of a group called New Venture Development within that entity. Okay. So I call it as a, you know, startup experience, but with the comfort of, you know, a larger entity sort of backing you up and, and not many risks. So I guess it's a build up from there where you are working in a small team, you're starting from a blueprint, trying to execute, taking it to a level where things start to become much more clear than, you know, execute onto the, onto the ground, get your first revenue. So that feeling kind of, you know, is it, a very happy feeling. Uh, to be It is, honest. right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I was always the youngest member of that team. So I was sort of the workhorse, right? So, uh, so it was all execution, execution, you know, do whatever it takes kind of, uh, the environment and uh, inevitably a lot of work used to fall on me and and I didn't mind at the, you know you're, you're 23 24 right you don't mind right. at that age so uh, not that I mind it now but yeah so it was a build up from there at some stage like I said around 2017 when I met one of my tech co-founders we got around talking about this idea and then uh, you know one thing led to another and we were like you know why not give it a shot otherwise we'll just sort of 10 years fast forward 10 years we may be regretting that you know we wanted to do it but we couldn't so, so it wasn't, so th- yeah, I mean, that was the background. Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually a real interesting part of entrepreneurship. I always like to ask my guests, like, did you intend to be an entrepreneur? Did you intend to run a business on your own? Or was it the case, like if your family's a bunch of entrepreneurs, it feels like an obvious path, right? But for mm-hmm. me, that was not necessarily the case. But did you feel like after being the workhorse, after looking around, after learning all this stuff, you thought, hey, maybe I can do this too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think it it drives from when you're used to be sort of taking more responsibilities, being more accountable. So eventually you end up, uh, especially if you're working in a large setup, you want to break out because, uh, you know, your input or the kind of growth that you expect, the kind of visibility that you expect, uh, largely in a large setup that becomes slightly, uh, things are slow, right? You you want to move (laughs) fast, but there are systems and processes and, and, you know, support functions that kind of create there are checks and balances so it, it's not as fast as you would want it to be so hence there is a tendency to you know break out and try to uh, work you know with with let's say you know take all the decision making it or take all the accountability take all the responsibility and so you would want to do that so I, yeah and yeah, to be yeah, to yeah. be fair when i was working at morgan stanley at the early stages of my career i kind of did the same thing mm-hmm. i left the main office to go to tokyo which was a much smaller office not only for that reason, but a lot for that reason to say, I can kill it here in New York. I can do really well. But there's so many other people that getting noticed, discovery, just like it is in the startup world, is hard. Let's go to a place where discovery is easier, go there, kill it, and then the discovery possibilities higher, I think. And it worked for me, I guess, in the same way it worked for you. We can spend hours talking about entrepreneurship yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. What was it like selling that first company? Do you know what I mean? Did it feel great or did it feel like we could have made this bigger, but somebody else was yeah. bigger than we were, so it's time to get out, but all the stuff we learned then we can then put into the next thing? What, what, what was that yeah, like? Yeah. 
yeah it was sort of the latter yeah i mean we still feel that we could have made it bigger but then the the kind of resources that we were working unfortunately we were bootstrapped we raised a very small round we were unable to raise the venture capital we tried really hard so some fundamentals were not working and as first time entrepreneurs you make a lot of mistakes going back in time if i were to do it all over again i would do it much differently yeah so yeah the good thing is that you know what we were realizing is that the efficiency was very low so we were putting in a lot of input in terms of hours money sweat blood tears but the output wasn't you know as as proportional to the to the input given some bit of more resources and slightly better ecosystem or maybe in a different domain with a right. different positioning of a particular solution that we are trying to sell it the efficiency would have been much 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 higher so so that was the triggering point that uh, you know should we continue to spend you know next 3 years and build try to take it to the to the next level or should we sort of move out take a step back and you know apply the learnings into a fresh domain so so yeah and what was that domain in which you were operating initially what was that company so we were building a enterprise grade learning management system so it is essentially a b2b learning uh, platform where companies uh, can subscribe to our platform and um, run learning programs for their employees so um, it's it's called learning management system it's a fairly defined space we were doing few things very different as compared to you know existing solutions we wanted to be more smb focused but we ended up selling to enterprise which um, <laughs> right. which is a different journey in itself different story in itself but what we realize is the true power of building enterprise grade solutions and also uh you know if you operate in an enterprise uh, segment that has its own a lot, lot of pros to be really honest so yeah isn't this one of the big learnings of entrepreneurship that sometimes the business that you want to build and the market that you want to target ends up being different than the market that actually wants your product yeah yeah do you know what i mean so if you look at the smb market in india it's massive obviously a country that has 1. something billion people and it's going to have a massive sme smb market And yet if you build for them it may be the case and I wasn't there but it may be the case that it's so fragmented and it's so different and you know that every state in India is different all the different languages all these different things that maybe the enterprises watched what you were doing and said hey that thing's kind of cool we need that is that kind of what happened in a way yeah yeah to a large extent yes so indian smb is market is growing and is huge right but building and selling to smb is still a challenge um, yeah for you know, sure it's yeah it's it's much better to sort of target us smb but then us smb is super crowded so that has its own sort of challenges right uh, uh, our our main problem was you know when we were uh, you know selling it to smbs the the monetization was was wasn't uh, i mean it is uh, you, you need to put in a lot of capital and acquire a lot of customers and then hope that after 3 years you'll sort of break even that is a good strategy if you if if you are backed by venture capital which we weren't so right. for us uh, immediate monetization was uh, you know and plus we ended up building the platform which is far more comprehensive in nature far more enterprise grade so it was sort of unfair also to you know sell it at 2 dollars when you can kind of uh, focus on large enterprise yeah do you think that there was some stuff that you learned about why you couldn't get vc funding that you now can apply to your new company yeah a lot of learning to be really honest first of all uh, 2015 2016 17 when we were trying so uh, a lot of the uh, vc or, or funding ecosystem back then was largely focusing e-commerce hyperlocal like b2c businesses in india and, uh, yeah in india 
yeah so software as a service few takers back then enterprise software as a service comes with its own challenges because uh, you know longer sales cycles and and you know depth of technology understanding right. so bunch of kids there were questions around will you be able to sell to enterprise or not so because uh, selling to enterprises has its own uh, it's, hard. it's it's hard it, it requires it's, its own set of expertise so longer sales cycle repeatable we were not able to uh, achieve repeatable sales so we had a bunch of customers who were very different in nature so if i were to go back i would rather focus on you know one segment one industry and then go deep there let's say become a insurance industry lms uh, expertise and then you know go to other industries but uh, what we ended up doing was that we had uh, customers distributed across five dist- different industries so very right. varied use cases so you could, we were not able to demonstrate a repeatable uh, sales or repeatable uh, you know process so maybe that that was one of the reason i got it yeah and venture capitalists always like do like to see repeatable repeat like yes. just li- yeah. literally like lather rinse repeat just keep going yeah. keep going keep going mm-hmm. yeah for them it's really hard to see the surface level in five different verticals and then the ability to grow into those verticals with the venture capital conversation is it's a different conversation we can have at a separate time talk to me about amoga coming out of the sale of your other company you're sitting around with your buddies maybe some of your other co-founders you're thinking okay we learned a ton of stuff here we can't do nothing because we know too much in a way right and we've seen different markets we've built different pieces of technology all this stuff we did worked maybe some of the stuff we built we can reuse i don't know yeah. Right. What did, what was the idea? What is Amogo? What does it do? And, and how did that start? So me and my tech co-founder from my previous company, we joined here together. Okay. Uh, our third co-founder is one of my ex-boss. Uh, we worked together uh, back in 2015, 16. He comes right. with rich 18 years. So he has built and sold a company. He built it, that company for over 18 years. Oh, wow. million dollar in revenue. Uh, so he exited that. Uh, last year, it got acquired by another entity, um, uh, which is a much bigger entity called Exotel. Okay. So I, you know, I got a call from him and he was trying to start another entity. And then, uh, you know, I moved from Delhi to Bangalore. We had a few initial brainstorming sessions and that's where, uh, that's that's how the team landed together. Uh, so one is, uh, he comes from a deep enterprise sales uh, as well as solutioning background. My tech co-founder comes from the tech background and I'm, I'm more of a you know product ops uh, sort of a guy right so okay. that's that's how we are the three of us are positioned so the problem statement at Amoga what what we're trying to solve is um, you know how do you fundamentally make work exciting for employees work to us uh, the you know the philosophy is that so work is part integral part of everyone's life right yep. I mean, we spend eight ten hours per day so that's almost one third of your life that you spend in, in doing work and yet there is a concept of, uh, you know, Monday blues, dreaded Mondays, people are looking forward to Fridays and, and so on and so forth, right? And right. And, uh, and a large, so this is uh, what we have also seen is, uh, you know, a large part of operational team members, people who are, uh, who end up doing repeatable tasks, right? I mean, let's say inside sales rep has to do the same thing again and again, day on day, week on week. Uh, right customer support uh, agent has to do the same thing so for them uh, beyond a point it becomes very repetitive and boring and you know dreaded in nature so um, so that's that's uh, and, and when i say like sales and support these are just two functions it can be extended to uh, definitely to other functions as well so so yeah that's the fundamentally uh, fundamental problem uh, I, what we are trying to address 
especially in in you know large companies with let's say 1000 plus employees where each of these operational teams is 50 60 members strong and yeah. they are uh, they're being repeatedly told you know this is what you have to do this is what you have to do and and without being so how do you make it interesting for them how do you make it exciting for them how do you simplify work so that onboarding is 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 not that big of a challenge and how do you uh, make it transparent in nature that from an from a employee perspective if i am doing something do i really know that if i do this thing uh, up to a let's say expected um, outcome day on day week on day week what will i get what is it with him right what what's in it for me what will i get after let's say uh, two months what will i get get after let's say six months so those are the problem statements that we are uh, you know working on and how but how does technology solve this and i guess one of the other questions for me is mm-hmm. you talk about 1000 people companies where the functional teams are 50 people a piece right let let's figure out first like how technology mm-hmm. solves these problems how it keeps people excited how it creates transparency because i think there's a fall on question to that about like mm-hmm. is this the way work is going to keep happening over time but let's get to that second yeah. let's talk yeah. about how tech solves this problem first of all from an employee perspective if especially and this is sort of the situation has come worse with with remote teams and and pandemic and all uh, because a lot of time now is being spent on explaining what somebody should do and then taking you know uh, taking stock of the progress what has been done right uh, like four times a day and i've been guilty of doing that last year when i was handling 20 member team remotely our idea is that if you if you have a platform uh, where things are transparent in nature so we are sort of working on three pillars one is uh, defining objectives or goals which are transparent uh, you know in nature everybody yep. can see so the whole okr theory then execution part where if an uh, an employee is working on a certain system or a crm because these large teams inevitably will be working on some crm or the other right uh, how do you bring whatever they are doing on a daily basis how do you transparently bring that data all into a you know central system so that uh, somebody does not need to check for status call and check for status and neither the employee needs to call and tell that this is what i have done because everything is uh, if you pull if you have a single source of data data then it should be uh, you know visible in real time third is from a, from an employee perspective what what is my growth opportunity so can can my uh, role expectations or my kras or my uh, can be can they, are they objectively defined are they transparent in nature whatever am, i am doing as an employee today is that progress reflected there is my review that is supposed to happen let's say a quarter down the line right. will that be based on those objective measures or will that be something else which is based on uh, some subjective feeling right so so those are the three broad areas uh, that we are focusing on So, but how does that work? In other words, you create a system. It's almost like a CRM inside of a CRM, right? In other words, mm-hmm. I come into work every day when I log into my technology. I can look at what my goals and strategy are. I can look at what my OKRs are, right? So, OKR objectives and key results, if I remember correctly, yeah. what that means, right? So, yeah. I know what that is every day when I come into work. What I'm trying to achieve, and I know what my KPIs are, right, as well. So I can aim at my KPIs. Yep. And what you're saying is that those KPIs are also logged. and that there's the technology that's created that automates the process of giving the feedback back into that CRM so that at the end of the day everybody knows what I've done kind of thing because it's all automated and because it's like a CRM into a CRM kind of thing 
my performance is just getting logged on a regular basis. So everybody knows what I'm doing. I know what I'm supposed to do and I can see the progress on my stuff. Does that happen like in real time as yeah. well? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, in addition to that, so it's not only what I am doing, it, I can also uh, see how I rank vis-a-vis -vis my peers, right? So there is oh, this wow. whole concept of your effort versus the team's effort. And it also gives, serves as a feedback loop to the manager. So if I am, let's say, handling a team of uh, 20 people and I constantly see that, you know, a couple of team members are uh, are missing the mark while the remaining are sort of are, are doing doing a good job. So there yeah. is... There, it requires, it warrants an intervention. So you can, I can, as a manager, I'm, I'll be able to do a much more, uh, you know, good job of giving a qualitative feedback based on these real-time inputs rather than just waiting for things to fall apart, let's say six months or, or a year down the line. And then, yeah, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's having, a, having a difficult right? conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what is the, what is the feedback that you get from these? Obviously, the employers are going to love this, right? What's the feedback you get from employees? Do they feel like they're being over-tracked? Are they happy that... My feeling on this as well is that a great employee doesn't mind if someone's kind of looking over his shoulder because he or she's killing it anyway. And a bad employee may feel like, oh no, now they're going to know kind of thing. No? So we are, we are staring away from the tracking category. So there are a bunch of solutions which even you know track logged in hours or track... Uh, like employees movement and also we are staring away from that we don't okay. believe in uh, you know micromanagement to that extent Great. but uh, what what we are sort of targeting is is that for a particular role the the person who is in that role should be able should have a very clear visibility of what are the defined kpis or what are the defined kras and how they will be tracked using what kpis so um, if i'm supposed to uh, let's say if i'm if i'm a sales rep and i'm supposed to uh, schedule demos that so that's a very demonstrable output right, right. rather than right. Uh, somebody like the manager constantly asking calling and trying to figure out that you know how many demos you have done or how many demos have been scheduled or how many calls have you made those kind of things because they're anyway getting logged in crm data like right. in, in some crm or the other so so it's not tracking per se i think uh, what employees uh, uh, like is that you know there is a now a transparency so it's the same um, what we are calling it a dashboard it's the same dashboard that is visible to me as well as my manager so there is no subjectivity it's a single source of truth so there is no like uh, you know he said she said kind of a scenario here so where i am claiming that i have done the work and the manager is claiming uh, you know <laughs> no, you have not and or vice versa i mean we have the situation both ways right sure sure so sure. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what we are trying to achieve yeah so the, it, one of the interesting things to me is if it's if you're gathering all this data around <clears throat> okrs kpis and some logging stuff. I, I guess there's there are multiple sides to this, but does the data that you're gathering create insights to make the management process and then the creation of the OKRs actually more efficient and more targeted so that the, because I can create OKRs that are irrelevant, but if I know what you're doing and how you're doing it, if you're doing it well, I can then create new OKRs for you based on that data, figuring out like, you know what I mean? So does that get automated mm -hmm. too? And then on the flip side, as an employee, can I use the Amoga system to say, okay, I need to be better organized to achieve these OKRs and KPIs. Does the system also help me get better organized too? Yeah. The past performance um, does, you know, serve as a feedback loop because if you read the OKR theory that, you know, it's very difficult to nail it down to perfection in the first pass. Sure. And most of the, our, you know, target companies or the 
the prospective companies that we are talking to are sort of uh, you know trying it for the first time or maybe you know they've tried in the past and are sort of trying it for the second time right. tried and failed uh, so okay uh, so yes uh, totally agree with you that you know this this do, does serve as a feedback loop and on the on the second question yes uh, uh, we do have uh, you know obviously if i can track uh, like i said you know it's a, i can track my progress as well as i can see where am i vis-a-vis my team members or like you know if if not the absolute but i get the relative right you know i'm i'm above median or, or below below median so that serves as a feedback loop for an individual as well where they need to improve is this tied into other systems right in other words when i think about software and software development mm-hmm. i spend a lot of time talking about people that do this thing called the mac alliance right so all these things get broken down into microservices that's what the m is for the a is for api first the c is for cloud native and the h is for headless you think about this when you're developing these systems as well yeah definitely definitely uh, like i said so we the team founding team comes with a with a deep you know experience in building uh, solutions for for enterprise and when you're selling to uh, mid to large enterprise you inevitably have to integrate with a lot of existing systems so right. it has to be built that way and that's where our uh, what we believe is that's where our core strength is because um, you know we are not building a point solution which solves a certain pain point and it resides with your 15 other applications as a as yet another system we are people right, right, right. to sort of log in and do activity we are uh, more looking at it as a platform which can integrate with your existing systems and one of the changes uh, you know our the entire platform is based on a low code platform uh, where we are hoping and claiming and uh, you know this is our claim that we uh, we can integrate with your existing systems uh, you know in a, in a very short amount of time like in, in a matter of days rather than you know weeks because uh, your process flows your connectors and and your you know defining kpis and all of those can be easily done via drag and drop process flow builder form builders and all of those things so so, so that's super yeah. interesting so th- are you suggesting this low code no code i mean again we can spend hours talking about this as well but are you suggesting then that the platform is so easy to use that even a line manager can just go wait a second i need to connect this thing to that thing and maybe we're using something specific over here we'll just connect that in that they can do that on their own because of the low code nature of the platform as well yes so uh, so we have called we call them citizen developers like business yep. people who who know the the logic yep. and uh, yeah i mean the the most technical you may need is writing sql queries i mean if if you can do that uh, in some form or shape but but we we do have our you know implementation engineering team who can sort of help us help the team uh, the customer do that also but yeah it, it's very doable is there a gamification aspect to this too do you know what i mean like really if you want to make it more fun just mm-hmm. think like do you know what I mean? Like in two more days, if you do this thing, you get a free Coke kind of thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Not from that point of view, but uh, what we have, the gamification angle that we are building is that, so in any role, there is always a career path within an organization that sure. you join, let's say, as an um, associate manager. And then after 18 months or two years, you'll become a manager, right? Yep. Fortunately, un- unfortunately, people nowadays don't want to wait 18 months or two years, right? They, right. they want to know what's in it for me in next three months. So we are we are introducing this or we are proposing this that you know that entire eighteen month uh, cycle uh, eighteen month track can that be broken down into six small levels of three months each right with defined input and defined output and then can we have rules which either automate uh, a progression from level one level to another or at least make the candidate eligible to move on to the next level 
if not let's say automatically do that that's also again configurable in nature gamification one is in that aspect that i'm today i'm in level 3 and i you know want to move to level 4 then you know there are there are a bunch of things that i need to do right. consistently let's say over next 3 4 5 6 weeks right uh yeah the 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 one that you mentioned is you know can that add on some points which then you can redeem later uh we can think in that direction as as, as well uh, yeah are you surprised sometimes by the feedback that you get from the individual companies with whom you're working right in other words you want to implement this you want to make it easier for management to manage the teams but you also want people to be more engaged and to enjoy their jobs more is there some kind of joy that you get when people come back and say you know what i didn't think this was going to work so well but actually team a is way happier because they feel like now they know where they're going do you know what i mean yeah yeah that's what we uh, aspire i mean that's what we live for right i mean you you build something you put it out there uh, for people to use and then people come back and give you happy feedback uh, that's what uh, i believe like the product management team or the the pm function is sort of strive for living for right yeah uh, so a, a you want to get people to use what you have built b you want people to be happy uh, and give you positive feedback on or using it So before I let you go is this a is this a business that's raised money that wants to raise money like what's the status there you said you bootstrapped the other one you learned you know that maybe it didn't grow the same way you wanted it to so the VC money wasn't available how do you feel about Amogo right now and like what's the status So uh, so we are very early in our journey like like I said we started about 7 8 months back uh, fortunately we have a bit of a capital to take us to this stage and now we're looking at a first official round uh, we have started the process Uh, the idea was to uh, build something demonstrable uh, prove uh, got get some data points against our you know early hypothesis that this will right. work or not work so we we have done successful pocs with um, you know four five customers we are looking to get you know, we are we're selling it to other companies as we speak so this is the right time where we uh, we have started approaching uh, the the venture capitalist or the the investor uh, yeah yeah Yes, that's uh, awesome. Started approaching for investment. Do you use this OKR and KPI philosophy inside of Amoga? Do you know what I mean? Like, are you using your own software as well to manage your own teams? They don't have fifty people yeah. on them yet, but again, just being able to test it out is would be kind of cool, yeah. So we are about forty-five uh, overall in are strength. Are you really already? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so one of our small marketing three-member marketing team. Uh, so we tried it with Dev, but. a dev team is uh, it was uh, we didn't uh, yeah i mean our marketing team is sort of using it uh, we uh, that's cool. the, the entire system to ma- manage our own who cares yeah that's kind of cool okay what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to learn more about amoga if they want to just try out the yeah. product or if they want to help you raise money <laughs> great great my email id is fairly simple amit@amoga.io uh, okay and and yeah I, my phone number is also i can sort of Say we'll it out. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Amitayal, co-founder of Amoga. Thank you so much for coming on the show and doing this. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Really enjoyed it.